You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. Hi guys, welcome to 2023. I am so excited to be back. So, so stoked to be in the new year. Just happy to be here all around. I know that sometimes people are like, oh, New Year's is just another day, but I really don't see it like that. I feel like it's such a good reset. I absolutely love it. I love to use it as a way to kind of get going with the habits that I really want to get going with. Um, I had a really good start to the year. I hope you guys did too. I've just been busy, busy, busy planning for this, obviously planning for school as well. I think a massive focus for this year is mental health. And I know that that should be a focus of every year and every day. Um, But this year, I reckon I am going to make a really, really, really conscious effort to continue it on. Um, I'm sure like most other people, you start the year thinking, oh, you know, I'm really motivated. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then I know that when this happened last year, when school hit and I was, you know, at my first full-time job and a lot of it just went out the window. Now in saying that, A lot happened last year, so I think it is also equally important to be nice to ourselves, but I did want to start this episode or this year with an episode uh, about kind of starting the year healthy, but also how to continue on with that and make sure that we are promoting lifestyle change and not just change for a month. So with that, you know, I've been trying to seriously form some good habits to really kick some bad ones. One being being on my phone too often. That was a massive, massive thing for me last year. I just got so distracted with my phone. And I know that anyone who has kind of like a business or they're trying to keep up with trends or something online, you get stuck in this loop of looking and trying to be you know on trend and trying to follow everything and keep up to date and you end up just watching TikToks for four hours and doing nothing anyway so I know you do that probably without um, a business or a cause anyway so that's been a massive massive one for me but yeah I do feel a bit different at the start of this year I feel way way better than I have recently Um, you know the best thing about this and about creating the new habits without a doubt is that I've got a few people coming along for the ride with me. One of my friends in particular is kind of doing the same things that I'm doing and I've just found that so motivating or technically I'm doing the things she's doing. I shouldn't take the credit for that. Um, But yeah, it's so motivating, so, so refreshing. Um, So I thought I'd start with this episode talking all about, you know, our habits, how to form them, how to stick to good routines, how to set goals. There are a few other episodes that I've done on this kind of thing already. So if you miss those, make sure you go back and have a squiz at those as well, particularly the habit one that was geez, I don't know. That was a bit earlier last year, I think. That was a really good one. So make sure you head back. This one is more just about this start of the year, this time, how to create a smart goal, what we are kicking. You know, I've seen those in and out trends, kind of that vibe. 
Now, to start off with, a couple of things I'm sticking to. I thought it would be important to add this in at the start just for a little bit of motivation maybe if anyone needs a couple ideas. I know sometimes it's hard to decide exactly what you want to do. Um, a big one is creating my routine that I'm actually going to stick to. I feel like I promote this so much, but got it got to the end of last year and I was so burnt out because I was trying to fit everything in and it just wasn't working. So that's a huge one for me. Um, cold showers. I'm doing the Wim Hof thing. I'm going to do it. I've already been doing it. It's been really great. I mean, this weather is so warm, so it's fine. It's going to test me in the winter, but I am feeling really good and I really, really want to stick to that one. So that is a massive one for me. Uh, No alcohol or really limited. I think I'm going to give myself like five days of the year where I can drink alcohol and that does not mean get drunk. It just means that I can have a drink if I want to. Um, This is something that I think we don't, I mean, I I definitely think it's a topic of conversation now, but I don't think we talk about it enough. And so I really want to promote that just responsible drinking of alcohol. That's all. And it doesn't mean that you can never drink. It just means that you're doing it in a way that isn't, you know, making you wake up and feel ashamed about something or making you feel anxious for a week afterwards or any of those things. So that's a big one. Uh, Vitamins before I go to bed is another big one. I never remember to take my vitamins, even if they're sitting in front of my face in the morning. It just doesn't work. So I've started getting a little container and filling that every night and then taking them in the morning after breakfast. And that's been really good so far. Again, the biggest one here is motivating myself with other people. So using other people to keep me accountable. I've been tracking everything with my mate Meg. We've got like a thing on our Apple watches. I know if anyone has an Apple watch, they'll know what I'm talking about, where we can see what each other are doing. And that's really motivating as well. You can add all your mates and see what they're up to. So that's been awesome. So to start, firstly, again, as I said, I feel like most people feel really up and about at this time of year. And as I said as well, it is a really great place to start. But we do need to make sure that we are making changes and creating changes that are sustainable and not just for the month of January, not just for, you know, 30 days, not just for a week, you know, eight week challenges and stuff. That's all well and good. But if those habits don't stick or you're doing too much at once, it's not going to be really too beneficial in the long run and you could just end up burning yourself out kind of like I did. So let's work on that. We are going to be working on that together as well. I'm here with you doing it too. So let's actually get started. I've been rambling for like seven minutes now, probably the biggest ramble I have done. Hope you're still here. Hope you're still with me. What is a goal? Let's talk about that. Very basically, a goal is an aim or a desired result. It is a target that a person is trying to achieve, or it could be kind of an endpoint to a journey that we are on. Now, what is goal setting? So goal setting is the act of actually selecting certain targets or objectives that you want to achieve. So our goals are the things that we we see in the future. They're the things that we want to do. Now, setting the goal is kind of selecting which goal you want, but also working out what you need to do to get there. Now, why do we set goals? What is the whole purpose of setting goals? First of all, it increases our motivation to do something. It makes us feel like we have got a plan, right? And part of the plan or that planning process actually increases our motivation as well. But there's no point having a plan if you don't act. Goals actually help to create change in our lives. They can improve our productivity levels. They can also improve our health, obviously, and also our relationships or our careers, other things like that in our lives. So you can have 
so many different types of goals. It doesn't have to just be one section. So for example, some of the types of goals we might set are health goals. So this could look like weight loss. It could look like a competition, a sport. It could look like quitting smoking or alcohol and drug consumption, anything along those lines, anything that affects your health. Another one could be education. So this could be, you know, completing a certain level of education. You could be learning something new like a language, anything like that. A third one here is financial. So saving money, um, you know, getting rid of debt, anything along those lines. A fourth one is relationships. So you might uh, have a goal to spend more quality time with your family. You might want to reduce conflict with certain people in your life. Another one here is career. So like I talked about, you may want to improve your performance. Maybe you want to get a promotion. Maybe you want to start a new career and do something else. And the last one here is creative. So you might have a goal, which I think these are really common to, you know, play a musical instrument or write or sing or cook or something like that, that you want as an extension or a a hobby even for your life. So before we get into talking about our SMART goals and what that actually means, I want to quickly talk about extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Now, some people may have heard of this before. It isn't uncommon, but let's break them down just in case. So extrinsic motivation is when someone does something because they want to earn a reward. So for example, they might want praise, recognition, an award or something like that or to avoid punishment. And that could be, you know, punishment could look like failure or embarrassment, anything along those lines. Now, you will do something extrinsically even if you don't enjoy it. And this is mainly because you expect to get something, so like an award or a reward, or you want to avoid that punishment like we just talked about. Now, intrinsic, on the other hand, is doing something because it is personally rewarding to you. So that means that any outside or external factors or pressures don't actually play a part at all. The behavior that you partake in is the reward in itself. It's something that you really care about, something that you are able to find happiness in on your own. Now, most people think that intrinsic motivation is the only one that matters. It is definitely the main one that matters, but both of these can be really important depending on your goal. We definitely do need intrinsic motivation to make sure that we feel pleasure, reward or success inward and so that we are getting satisfaction out of it. However, sometimes extrinsic motivation can help to boost you along and to keep you motivated. Just to solidify that, there was a study called Exercise, Physical Activity and Self-Determination Theory. And in this study, it was found that intrinsic motivation was more predictive of long-term exercise adherence than any other forms of motivation. So basically what that means is that people who were able to be motivated inwardly and able to actually enjoy the uh, exercise or physical activity that they were partaking in for themselves and not necessarily just for an outsider's perspective or or based on outside pressure, they were more likely to uh, keep doing that long term, which is really, really important because that's what we're talking about today. We want our goals and our habits and our routines to stick long term. So let's use an example here just to kind of make it make a little bit more sense. So you want to start working out regularly. The first thing you need to do is think about why. Now, some extrinsic motivations might be to look better in photos, to lose weight, to look like you've got toned muscles. 
these kind of body-related motives do not generally work for a sustained program. They can work. They can help motivate you. But in the long term, it doesn't show that you will stick to these things for a long time. And that is because the in, the motivation is not for yourself. Whereas when we look at intrinsic motivation, these reasons could be things like improved health, having more energy, you know, getting those endorphins. So those feelings of happiness, decreasing your stress. Now, these all help to produce a long lasting commitment to working out because it goes beyond that really superficial layer of just what a person looks like. Now, the main takeaway here is that it's okay to have extrinsic motivation, but you really do need to look for that intrinsic motivation or, you know, it is likely that you might stray from your goal or you aren't consistently motivated to achieve it. All right, moving on now, let's actually look at our SMART goals and how to set a SMART goal. Again, people may uh, have heard of this before, especially if you did health and PE, if you did business, I'm assuming, any of those kinds of subjects. SMART goals are basically a set of criteria that were created so that our goals are loaded with intention and can actually be measured. It also helps to push towards having that intrinsic motivation. Now, SMART is an acronym. So S is for specific, M is for measurable, A is for attainable, R is for relevant. Some people do reliable or something as well. There's another word that they use. We're going to use relevant. And the last one is time bound. So let's start with the first letter. Let's look at specific. There is no point in setting a goal that is not specific to what you want or what you need in your life. You will not achieve something if you're not even sure about what you want to achieve. That is pretty self-explanatory. It is also really important for the S part, the specific part, to use a numerical value so that it helps you determine the success of your goal or when you have achieved it. it. It allows you to understand or be able to tick off a box, really. For example, I want to exercise every week. Not that specific, quite vague. Adding a numerical value here might look like I will exercise three times per week. Even then, it gets a little bit more specific. If you want to even go further than that, you could say I will run one time per week and participate in weight training two times per week. So you've actually broken it down and now in your head, you know, all right, on Monday, I'm going to run. On Wednesday, I'm going to do weight training. On Friday, I'm going to do weight training or whatever it is or whatever that looks like for you. The more specific, the better because you actually set a benchmark for yourself. So that's specific. Let's talk about measurable now. So how do we know if we're actually meeting our goals? There's some keywords that you should use here, like how much or how many to help us measure our goals. So for example, maybe you want to drink water every day. Maybe that's a really big one for you. If you just write drink water every day, first of all, that's not very specific, but you've also got no way to measure that. How do you know if you're drinking enough water every day? You could change that by saying, I will drink two litres of water every day, or you could say, I will drink one litre of water by 12 p.m. and another litre by 6 p.m. So you actually put a time frame on it and then you know every day when you get to 6 p.m. if you have met that goal because you know if you have drank one litre before 12 and one litre before 6. You can also track this on a drink bottle. There are so many out there now that will actually tell you when you should 
have finished a certain amount of water. So that could be really handy. And you just, you know, now if you haven't done this, it can also be done for weight loss or a weight loss goal, something like that. I want to lose weight. That's pretty vague. There's no numerical value. There's nothing that you can really measure it by, but you could look at, I want to lose two kilos in a month. That's a lot more specific. That's measurable. You can start your month. You can do what you need to do. And then you can end your month and you can say, have I done that or not? You've got a way to measure it. So the next one we're looking at is achievable. And this is all about making sure you can actually complete or do the goals that you're setting. If you are creating, you know, 12,000 new goals at the start of the year, which I know is really common, we kind of overload ourselves. Chances are some of those goals are going to get ignored. I personally always start my year like I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to learn a language. I'm going to eat healthy every day. I'm going to kick 10 goals at footy. Like there's a million of them. I've got all these things in my head, but if I never actually create a plan or work out if I can even fit these things into my day, there is no point in even thinking about it. It's also important to note that goals that are too difficult can actually be discouraging and can lead people to do the opposite or end up giving up altogether, which is not what we want. In saying that, goals should be hard sometimes. This is why we make goals because we want to be challenged. We want to do something different, but you need to make sure that it makes sense with you and your lifestyle and your life. And that doesn't mean that you can't do hard things. It just means you need to make sure the timeline that you're giving yourself is realistic. For example, if you can't currently run two kilometers, but you want to run a marathon next month, you're probably going to struggle. It's not very achievable. Right. Maybe for some people. I mean, I don't know. David Goggins was crazy, but most people aren't going to achieve that goal. It's really, really good to make sure that you are creating major long-term goals, especially when it comes to something like your fitness, so that you are continuously striving to get stronger, to get healthier, to get fitter, but you do need to make sure that they fit into your current capabilities in some way. Basically, for achievable you just don't want to guarantee failure. You want to make sure that you are actually able to work through it. You will know what you can fit into your life realistically. That's what you need to do. The fourth one here is about making sure your goals are relevant. The things that you want to do are relevant to your life, kind of similar to the last one that we just talked about. So this is all about making sure that you are able to work with yourself and your lifestyle. You want to run a marathon. So you shouldn't purely focus on sprint training or you want to learn a musical instrument, but you've never touched a musical instrument and therefore you don't actually know what instrument you like or you're interested in, right? This could be for anything. This could be for trying, you know, learning a new language. Why? Why do you want to learn, I don't know, Spanish if you have no intention of going to Spain or talking to anyone Spanish or any of those kinds of things? Why do you want to learn soccer if you... I don't know, have no intention of playing it or you don't even know if you like it. So it could be anything. You need to make sure that it is relevant to you, your interests. It has to align with actually what you like and what interests you in your life. Otherwise, there's a high chance that you're not really going to be motivated to do it. And again, this doesn't mean that we do things only because we like them, but it does play a part, especially when it comes to something like a hobby or a fitness goal. If you hate running, try something else. There are other ways to stay fit and there are other ways that are actually going to help you rather than hinder you or make you hate exercise, for example. The last one here, the T that we've got is all about being time bound. So our goals are time bound. 
This means that there should be a specific period for when you want to achieve this goal. Now, of course, these can be short or long term. However, according to Healthline, most SMART goals should aim to take about one to three months to achieve. And then you should be able to redirect or kind of redo your goal so that it actually is SMART again. Leaving any kind of goal open-ended just allows for excuses. And I am a massive sucker for this. I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll fit it in tomorrow or I've got heaps of time. But that means that I either never start or I never finish. This is why gyms or fitness places do eight-week challenges and attach goals to those. You know exactly when it starts. You know when it ends. For example, You might have a competition or something that you know is coming up. You know how many days you have to prepare. You know what you have to do in each week to prepare for that day. This is what you should be doing for all of your goals. I know I use fitness-related ones as an example. Those are just kind of the easiest ones in my head to kind of explain it. Obviously, you can do this for any kind of goal, whether it's career, financial, any of those things that we talked about at the start of the episode. With that, let's chuck it all together in a few examples just to kind of solidify it here. So first one, I'm using this one because this is me, marathon running. I'm going to bloody run a marathon this year. So what I would say is I want to run, let's say it's next year. Oh gosh, it's already 2023. Let's say it's a few months from now. I want to run run Melbourne Marathon in three months. So in order to do this, I will train three times per week. One time will be interval training, one time will be a tempo run, and one time will be a long run. Now, to actually make this more specific, I would say what day. So I would do, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or whatever it is. The second one here is a musical instrument. So say you want to learn a musical instrument, you could your goal that you write down could be, I will learn to play Wonderwall on guitar in two months by practicing three nights per week after work on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, right? Maybe that's that's perfect. That's very specific. You've got your time bound. You are probably going to Europe in two months, so you can, I don't know, serenade your bunkmates. I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. That is a really good goal. Number three, waking up earlier. So I will go to bed 10 minutes earlier for the next two weeks until I'm asleep by 9 p.m. so that I can wake up at 5 a.m. every weekday. Now, this means that you've got consistency for two weeks and then as a short-term goal, you could then reevaluate and you can decide, is that working for you? Do you need to change something? You can create a new SMART goal after that two-week period. Additionally, if you failed at that, you can then go back and reflect and try something else. Maybe you do five minutes earlier. Maybe you get up at 5.30 instead. Maybe that just works better for you. There are you know, so many different ways that you can go about this. Basing it on those SMART goals, on that acronym is a really, really good place to start. So I've got a little extra bit here. I didn't actually, uh, this is not obviously a part of the SMART acronym, but I think that this is important when making our goals as well. And this is all about attaching emotions to our goals. This can be something that can really, really help people. Of course, as we talked about, you want to care or at least have a bit of interest in your goal. This kind of interest and care also needs to be long-term especially if you are wanting to support lifestyle change and it's not something that you're just doing for eight weeks or 70 days or whatever it is. We talked about learning a musical instrument, right? We talked about, I actually already mentioned, you know, learning Wonderwall so that when you go to Europe, you can serenade your bunkmates. You attach care to that. That's something you want to do. You really, you feel 
like it's important that you're able to do that when you go there. Or, you know, I want to work out three times a week so that I feel my best for my wedding day in August. Or I want to run a marathon so I can raise money for this cause. I want to save $300 a week so that I can buy a house in one year with a deposit of 40 grand or whatever it is. Again, so many different goals. Those are just some examples. But when you really, really think about the care or the emotion that is behind a goal, that could be a really big intrinsic motivator for you as well. Moving on now, we're going to talk about community support. So I did mention this at the start where I've got my friend Meg and I, we are, you know, kind of helping push each other along. Um, You know, my footy club, they always post in our Facebook group what everyone's doing. Other people are posting their workouts, their runs, whatever else, just to keep everyone motivated. That is a really, really good way to go about achieving your goals and to really keep you motivated. Basically, this is something that I've found has been so, so helpful for me that I want to share with you guys. So community support basically could be, you know, a friend, it could be a team, it could just be a group who helps you, but it's having something to lock yourself into and people who are expecting you to rock up. That makes a huge difference on whether or not you actually do the things that you're going to say you want to do. For example, my biggest, biggest example is something called Run Club or Running Club. Now, I was a bit younger. I wanted to start running. Um, I went to Running Club with my mum. Now, you have to let these people know whether you are coming or not. You, you know, that in itself, I didn't want to text them and tell them I wasn't coming. So after work, 6 p.m., I would go to Running Club, even living with my mum at the time, she was going. So it's like, well, if you're going, even if I didn't feel like it, I felt like I had to go because mum was going. Even that in itself was like, all right, well, I'm not going to let her get in the car and leave without me. That was super motivating. But it's also just to have people to push you as well, because I achieved goals at those training sessions that I would never have achieved on my own. I would never have pushed myself harder on my own. And exercise, you know, exercise groups in general, group gym sessions, yoga sessions, going, walking with a mate in the park, going on daily walks, whatever it is, it's really, really important to get involved with others. Now, I posted this on my Instagram the other day, but I also did something called a feel good dip. Now, this is because I want to, I mean, I've always been an early riser, but I do want to be a part of the 5am club. That's a goal of mine this year as well. I just want more time in my day, um, in the morning in particular. There is a huge community there of people who all do it. In fact, I bumped into people that I knew, which I didn't expect at all. And it is so motivating and so fun and just lovely. And it makes you really want to be a part of something. You see all these people doing it and you go, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to do that again. Now, I'm not saying that you can't achieve your goals alone because of course you can. And a lot of people do that, but there is something just so encouraging and motivating about doing it with other people. This can of course also increase social interactions, a feeling of belonging, all of those wonderful things that are so great, particularly when it comes to things like exercise. Now, I know I'm, again, I'm using exercise as the biggest example. You could do this saving, you know, a financial goal of saving your money with a friend. You could do um, learning a language with a friend or a family member or something like that. And you could test each other. If you wanted to learn a new topic, you could test each other with something. There, The possibilities are endless. This is just something that really makes sense to me, which is why I use these examples. 
Being with other people can also, you know, keep you accountable. If someone is expecting you somewhere and you have to cancel on them, for me, I don't like letting people down like that. So that is huge because I would rather go and do what I said I was going to do than tell someone that I'm not coming, right? And it increases your persistence. It increases the chances that you're going to go. As I said before, it can push you in ways that you may have not been able to do alone. So if you're actually, you know, for example, running with people who are faster than you and you have that motivation to really try and keep up with them, you're pushing yourself in a way that I guarantee would not happen if they weren't there. You can also, you know, use these people as inspiration. You've got people to look up to. Obviously, when we're talking about healthy habits here, this is wonderful. As I said, though, that's all my anecdotal evidence. So let's talk about a little bit of data. According to the study, effects of perceived fitness levels of exercise partner on intensity of exertion, participants often follow or gravitate towards the exercise behaviours of those around them. So for example, you're more likely to work as hard as the person next to you if you're in a group setting and doing exercise. Another study found that 95% of people who began a weight loss program with a friend actually completed it compared to 76% who tried to do it alone. So there's again that thing of not saying you can't do your goals alone, but it increases the chances of you smashing them. Now I am going to get a direct quote from Atomic Habits, which is if again, you're on my Instagram, you'll see I've been raving about this book. This is by James Clear and it is honestly the best book ever. Everyone go read it. He did state though in this book that the closer we are to someone, the more likely we are to imitate their habits. So another part of community is finding people that like the same things as you, finding people who are smashing the goals that you want to smash already and surrounding yourself with them. If you surround yourself to people with similar goals, scientifically, you are actually more likely to achieve yours. Last couple bits of the episode here, let's quickly talk about tracking progress because this is equally as important to keep your motivation levels up. Now, I'll just go through this pretty quick fitness apps or devices. This is a big one. You know, you can smash your friends on your Apple Watch like me and Meg are trying to do, or you get on Strava and you see other people's runs and you know, you try and replicate it or you join a challenge or something like that. Most of us should have access to something like this. Really, really great way to keep you motivated, but also to log what you're actually doing. Journaling. So using a pen and paper. Uh, Some of you may have heard of the 75 hard challenge. This is where you write down what you do every day when you, you know, and you can kind of see you getting closer to your goals. So for example, I've been doing this for my cold showers and my workouts. I've just been writing down exactly what I've been doing every day, just so at the end of the day, I actually can say, all right, here's what I did. You could use this as a way just to journal too. So journaling is a massive one, again, that I want to get into this year. Taking pictures or videos of yourself, this could be because of fitness, this could be videos of you learning the guitar, this could be videos of you, I don't know, photos of your bank account going up, it could be anything, but taking actual evidence and proof and being able to look back on that and say, here's where I was, here's where I am now can be super motivating Creating a daily checklist is another really good one. I love ticking off my to-do list. I think that's awesome. So really, really motivating there. Building a reward system is also a way to do it. Now, this might look like something like a gold star or something. I actually still do this. It sounds very primary school, but I still do this with my year 10s with their work. We've got to stick a chart and when they complete it, they get a they get a star. And if they've got all their stars by the time we hit the excursion bit, 
they get to come on the excursion and that's how it works. It's great. It's very motivating. So far, so good. So maybe you could do something like that for yourself instead of a checklist. You could put, you know, once I get through 10 days of fulfilling each habit that I want to improve on, I get a massage. Um, But anything like that, you could reward yourself with some self-care. You could reward yourself with, I don't know, anything, anything that suits you. Also really important when we're tracking our progress is just to be kind to ourselves because life throws us absolute curveballs. We all know that. And sometimes it feels like you can be so, so hell bent on achieving your goal, but you do need to make sure you are doing what's best for you as well. I saw a quote recently that said, you know, if you've only got 40% to give and you give 40% that day, then you've given 100% that day because that's all you had to begin with. So remember that, make sure you keep that in mind. It's okay to have a bad day basically. And do not kick yourself if you miss a day. Try and get back on the horse the next day. Last bit here, let's talk a little bit about creating an environment so that we can stick to our goals. Now, again, this is from Atomic Habits. Read this book, listen to it, whatever you need to do. I know it's on audiobooks. I can't recommend this more. And I've gotten so much inspiration for this. So make sure that you go there and have a squeeze. Now, I'm obviously going to cut this down and say it way more basically than James Clear does in his book, but you need to make your goals and habits really obvious. So he talks all about setting up or kind of redesigning your environment so that it's actually easier to complete your habit or your goal. He talks all about how to increase your exposure to to positive cues and that we actually do all have the ability to do this in our own way, of course, and in our own spaces because we all have different things going on. So for example, a big one for me is no phone when I wake up. I don't want to go on my phone first thing in the morning. I found that was a massive, massive habit. It restricted me from getting out of bed and actually getting up and doing things. So I have either stopped putting my phone in my room or if I need it in my room for an alarm, which I know so many people do, I put my phone under a book or a stack of books so that I actually have to grab those first. I turn my alarm off and all of a sudden I've already got my book in my hand. So if I want to spend the first 10 minutes of my morning reading, that's what I'm doing. And it's just like a subtle reminder there for me. Exercise in the morning, big one. Get everything out the night before. Set it up, put it out of the room. If you're going to wake someone up or you're worried about that, which that's been a thing for me before, make sure it's out somewhere where you can access it. You can just get ready straight away and you can go for it. It's easy. Forgetting to take your vitamins. Again, uh, putting them out the night before, putting them in their own little container, making them really easy, putting them next to your drink bottle, putting it next to your breakfast bowl, whatever, just so you know, okay, once I finish breakfast, I'm taking my vitamins. Hiding your phone for productivity. This could be, you know, someone else hiding it for you. I often need that or turning it off altogether. Um, Creating a room where you only do one thing in that room. So this was a pretty big one for me at school. Um, I was very, very distracted very easily. School, uni, whatever else. I really needed a space where I did study or I did what I needed to do and I did nothing else in that room. I couldn't study in bed. I couldn't study in a place where, you know, whatever, because you end up associating bed with study and that could be stressful at the end of the day. So making sure you've got a space where you just do that one thing. For example, I have a space where I research for my podcast and I know that I'm switched on to do that task when I am in that space. Really important. If you want to stop watching TV, take your TV out of your bedroom, only watch it on the couch, turn it off, go to bed putting snacks in the back of the fridge where you can't see them or they're not super accessible or, you know, 
if you don't want to eat them 100%, just don't buy them. But I know that sometimes you feel a little bit peckish meal prepping so that you don't actually need to buy bulk snacks or making sure that you don't go to the supermarket hungry. That's a big one. I know that has nothing to do with redesigning your space, but geez, that makes a difference. Could be something like putting your guitar on a chair and playing 10 minutes before you sit down for a coffee in the morning. That could be something really easy. Maybe you put the guitar right in front of your coffee machine. So that's what you have to pick up and move before you can even get to it. The options here are genuinely endless. This is just examples. If you want more, once again, please go buy that book. That is all for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you enjoyed this first episode back. If you are new here, thank you for being here. If you are returning, thank you for being here. I hope that you feel a little bit more inspired to start the year to really stick to those goals. Make sure that you click that follow button or subscribe button wherever you are listening. It helps me out so much and means that I can keep doing this all year round. Have a wonderful week. Stay safe and I'll be back in your ears very soon for the first episode of How's Your Head. Can't wait. See you later.